Hey Chicago, what do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast. It is Monday, November 20th, Thanksgiving coming up just a few days away. Luke Stuckmeyer and Ryan Herrera with you. We've got actually a pretty busy uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, you're wondering where Cody is. He's on his uh, way back from making sure that Yamamoto was posted clearly. Uh, and we, that, that much we can tell you about what he's been doing in the secret operation. And uh, mission one complete. Top secret, uh, confidential. The, the rest is still mission. strictly confidential. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about. Uh, the gist of the main meat of the podcast will be a lot about pitching today. We're going to talk about how the Cubs might be able to put together the perfect pitching plan here for the next two weeks because the baseball winter meetings, Ryan, are two weeks from today, right? But we've already seen uh, things have already started to happen. Now, the Cubs moves have really been, in my eyes, pretty minor since, uh, you know, sending this the shockwaves through baseball by getting Craig Council as their manager. But the stuff they did over the weekend, um, I don't think it's going to have anybody doing cartwheels, but nonetheless, sometimes those moves – uh, can be important to talk about, right? Yeah, I mean that's when we're talking about like the um, the margins of the roster, right? And that like like over the last couple of years, especially last year, like like when we talk about they could have been better on the margin marginal players on the roster, like maybe not the superstars or the best players on the team, but the depth pieces or the guys that they can trust to kind of fill out the roster and and, and have in there. And so we're talking about that, like that stuff's still important, right? Like they may they may not be going out and signing. Shohei Otani right now, but you know what they did on Friday, especially we will talk about it. But um, just keeping around some play or offering contracts to some players that they believe can help fill out the roster, not um, tendering contracts to some players they, um, you know, for for various reasons, right, or agreeing to contracts with players, whatever it is. Like the guy, the guys, the the twenty one through twenty six man on the roster, like they're gonna matter for the Cubs this season too. And and beyond that, like right, like it's right. Like, it's not just gonna be the twenty six guys that they start opening day with. It's gonna be all the rest of the guys on the forty man. It's gonna be everyone. So um getting those moves on the edges of the roster, <clears throat> excuse me, getting those moves right at the edge at the edges of the roster, like that's all gonna matter too. Yeah, I mean the currently the roster, the forty man roster sits at thirty seven after some of those moves over the weekend. Uh you mentioned you know some arbitration eligible guys. They avoid arbitration with Patrick Wisdom, a one year deal. Mm-hmm. Terms not released, but you know he was making less than a million dollars last year. Something like uh, I've seen everywhere from two to two point seven. It was like two two seven two five. Yeah, I mean it, it's not really a significant number for the Cubs. And again, I know a lot of people in the chat were frustrated with Patrick Wisdom after his spectacular April. Uh, to which I was starting to say, wait a second, maybe they found their third baseman. Maybe all of a sudden it clicked for this guy late in his career. But you know what he is? He's he's an inexpensive way to add power to a team yeah. that needs power or keep power on a team that needs power. And I do feel like he might be a useful piece with Craig Council as manager. He seems to get the most out of everybody, make the matchups right. If used in the right situation, Patrick Wisdom can be a very valuable piece uh, to a really good team. So I, I don't have a problem with it. Now, does that mean I want to see Patrick Wisdom as the everyday third baseman? Uh, third no, baseman. it doesn't unless, uh, unless Shohei's been added to the roster and a bunch of other big moves. And then I'm like, okay, they're saving money. Wisdom's your third baseman along with Madrigal. That's a different story. Um but, you know, I don't think people should look at it and say, oh, Wisdom's back and be mad or be thrilled one way or the other. It's an inexpensive way to add an important piece of depth to your team, right? Yeah, no, and then, I mean, you look at, oh, you mentioned the April, and the April was obviously really good for him last year, and um, that probably boosted him to, he ended up with a with a 109 WRC+, plus, so still um, solidly above league average with the bat, but um I think you look at where he was post all-star break. So like mid July to the end of the season, he had a 147 WRC plus like his, his OPS was 947, 384. His numbers post all-star break, like second half of the season were really good. And I think when you look deeper at the numbers, you look at what David Ross had done with Patrick wisdom last year, it was 
you know, finding the right matches for him, soft tossers, lefties, and all that stuff. And he wasn't playing every day. If, you know, if, even if a, a soft tossing lefty started the game and by the fifth inning they brought in a righty with, with threw a little harder, he was out of the game, right? He wasn't sticking around. So um, the Cubs figured out the right situations and uh, to to put Patrick Wisdom in, and he thrived, right? Like, would you have? Would have been great for the Cubs had he been an everyday third baseman hitting everyone and hitting. 35 plus homers, of course. That's not Patrick Wisdom as a player. But if you're a really good team, right? As the Cubs hope to be this year, I still see a place for Patrick Wisdom as a as a slugging right-handed bat off the bench. Like he's not gonna he shouldn't play every day if this team uh intends on really competing next year. But he right. should, but can he be a, a solid power hitting bat that can come off the bench and change a game with one swing of the bat, which as we saw this last season, the Cubs don't have a lot of that. Like that's that's someone worth keeping around, especially at that price. Like I, I don't have I don't have no issue with the Cubs agreeing to a contract with Patrick Wisdom for next year. Yeah, and it's not that David Ross didn't use him uh, correctly in my eyes. I, I think David Ross was forced to use him a few times because he didn't have other options. Uh, yeah. So so the 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 goal for the Cubs now the rest of the way, including you know winter meetings and beyond, is make the pieces around him better and his his value actually may increase to the team because of of the way you'll be able to use him. Uh, Cubs also tendered offers to uh, arbitration eligible six players, Alzali, Leiter Jr., Madrigal, Merriweather, Steele, and Talkman. And Talkman's an interesting one because we just kind of forget that he had a really good season for the Cubs this summer. Mike Talkman, we made the shirt with the obvious shirts, the collab shirt. Um, but, you know, he's – Again, a depth, a depth guy in the outfield, right? Like it, you're not saying he's going to be your everyday center fielder. You hope yeah. you hope that's not the case, not because he didn't do a nice job, but he's also a guy that was picked up last year, and that's the type of move that goes under the radar, right? You know, I I, I think back to when the Cubs added Dexter Fowler, there were higher expectations uh, than obviously Talkman. But Miguel Montero signing wasn't like some massive deal that signaled greatness, and it turned out to be an important one for the Cubs. So you just don't know if having somebody like or bringing somebody in similar to Talkman this offseason, maybe at another position, could end up being the right deal. That doesn't mean I don't want them to go open up the uh, Brinks truck and back it up to Shohei and Yamamoto and say, hey, come on, get in come to Wrigley Field, but it does mean if you make big moves like that, there still can be secondary moves uh, for other players that may not really grab our attention much, and we might say, eh, whatever, it's not a big deal, but they still could end up being important moves. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to forget those. Um, so some of those guys avoiding arbitration. Now, the interesting ones where they didn't tender offers, Cody Hoyer, Brandon Hughes, Ethan Roberts three pitchers that obviously have value to the Cubs, but injuries have been a problem. Yeah. And, and like, I'm not completely shocked at a couple of them, like knowing like Cody Hoyer hasn't pitched in, I guess since 2021, since the yeah. Cubs got him. Right. Cause he had Tommy John right before 2022. I mean, Ethan Roberts had that injury. Um, I, he, I mean, he could have pitched again this year. I, I don't know. I, I his, I guess maybe not could have pitched again. Like it was going to be weird timing to try to get him in and pitching for the Cubs again this season. So um, I, I don't know exactly how that would have went down for him had they rushed him. But for like for those guys, they're I think at various points we've looked at them and said like these guys could be like pretty impactful players for the Cubs uh, bullpen wise. Um, Brandon Hughes had shown that right when he when he came up in, in 22 and was really good for him. Um, Ethan Roberts had the kind of stuff that you like to see. And um, he wasn't like he was, you know, remember the, he was the the last guy or whatever added to the opening day roster. Like they told him when he was on the bench and had that like viral moment of him getting the news from David Ross and Tommy Hadaby. Um and, and he, he showed some flashes for the first couple months while he was up with the Cubs before he got hurt. Um, and then obviously Cody Hoyer, like same thing, like he has the stuff and he's just dealt with, with bad injuries the last couple of seasons, but We've Brutal. seen we've seen the stuff we've seen him have um, the stuff that we that that enticed people and like excited people about him um, potentially coming back. But for those three, 
I would say not tendering them contracts at the deadline. That doesn't obviously preclude the Cubs from Correct. going out and re-signing them. Right. Um, minor league deals. Yeah, minor league deals. But it also obviously doesn't <laughs> preclude uh, other teams from going out and signing them too. I, I mean, it could be a way to kind of – like I, I look at it the way – what they did with Mark Letter Jr. last year. They DFA'd him. Uh, I don't remember exactly when it was, December or January. They DFA'd him to open up a spot on the roster. Um, and then when it got to, obviously, opening day time, they added him back. They brought him back in the 40-man. They had signed him to a 40-man – or uh, signed him to a minor league contract, uh, invite to spring training, and then added him to the 40-man heading into the season. So for some of these guys, like if they're, they get to March, like if they, if they were to sign minor league deals with the Cubs to come back in opening day and, and they're, they're ready to go, like this could be a way to just – open up spots on the roster, but not specifically saying like, we don't want these guys on the roster, right? It could be a way right. to say, Hey, we want to, we need to open a few spots because free agency starting up, we'll sign you to pretty solid contracts. And then, you know, opening day or maybe whenever they decide like, Hey, like you're still going to have a role on this major league team. We just, we need the, the, we need the roster space, right? Like that, that could be a situation like that. Um, so I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say like those three guys that their tenure with the Cubs is over. Or anything, but um, that now not tendering them contracts, it's going to run the risk that other teams might sure. see them and want to get them too. Sure, it gives them a little flexibility as players, um, but also if it, you you wonder what their each experience was for each guy. Now, because they all had injuries, uh, obviously that's not the Cubs' fault. But they wanted, you know, were they treated well by the training staff? Were they? Did they feel like they were getting the coaches were getting the most out of them? Do they see the opportunity there if they're healthy? And, and, you know, sometimes that familiarity is something that will drive them back to the organization anyways. And I, I don't know any reason. I mean, Brandon Hughes is a perfect example of a guy who you would think would feel a little bit of loyalty to the Cubs. And like, they basically gave the guy the greatest opportunity. And other than the injuries, he was, he was making the most of it. Now, Roberts, I think, uh, expects to pitch next year, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, he was, and and Hoyer, no, right? Because he had the fractured elbow. I think that timeline, the last update we had, is he was getting towards. Uh, it was like the, the end of some. He was like progressing through his rehab. Yeah. The last, the last update we got, uh, maybe a couple months ago, was he was progressing, um, but there was still no like clear timeline on his return date. Well, it, it'd be nice if they could keep two of the three for sure. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep all three, but it'd be great to um, keep two of the three in the organization. Uh, one thing I didn't understand about over the weekend was the report that the Cubs had talked to John Jay about their bench coach, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. Andy Green had left first the reports that, you know, he'd been fired. He was not fired. He left for the Mets job. And um, now the Cubs – after talking to former Cub and Cardinal John Jay are going in another direction. So I, okay. So we're still looking for a bench coach. I'm curious to see who that person becomes. I don't think it's a major factor um, for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, you have a very experienced head coach. I think sometimes the bench coach is more important um, when you have a first league, first year manager in the big leagues or a second year manager in the big leagues. Um, so we'll just see who Craig council picks, but for whatever reason, they're not going the John Jay route. That was yeah, interesting, I guess. Yeah. It's interesting to see. And like, like you said, like, I don't know, like obviously the bench coach, <laughs> uh, market is not as like newsworthy as the manager's market. Right. But, um, and like, as we saw with, with David Ross, like Andy green was a helpful, uh, voice to have because he, he had previous managerial experience and, like Craig Council had Pat Murphy for so long in Milwaukee with him. Um, so the, who the manager picks as their bench coach is obviously very important to them as, you know, as the rest of the coaching staff is as well. But like the bench coach is right there, set right-hand man, like second in command kind of thing. Um, doing a lot of little things that don't get talked about as, as the managers do. Um, but yeah, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm just curious to see who he picks. Like, I don't, when we talked with Craig Council last week, it was, was it last week? Yeah, last week. It was like uh, he, the process for him had gone so fast to taking this manager's job with the Cubs that he did want to take it slower 
with, you know, having conversations with the coaches, having conversations with people in the front office about who he might want to bring back and getting all the information right before he just started hiring new coaches, which I think is a smart thing to do considering he's coming into a, right. a brand new organization. Um, but I mean, I think you can expect that to start coming relatively soon as far as, you know, I, there's reports that Tommy Hadovy and Dustin Kelly are expected to, to remain in the roles with the Cubs. And, you know, they already had a catching coach and bullpen coach openings this offseason. So I think you're, you're, I think we're going to start seeing – they might not all come at once, but maybe you'll see, like, some news of that trickle in, I think, relatively soon. Because I think, again, Craig Council doing the right thing and taking it slow and making sure he has all the information. But, you know, as especially as free agency starts, like, you want to have a lot of that stuff already in place before – like the meat of the winner really gets going. So I think just to have all the things set and you can just focus on player acquisition, whether that's trades or free agency, I think getting all the coaches and the coaching staff set is going to be, it, it's it, it should be coming relatively soon. Well, I think the, the news may start to come fast and furious and I wouldn't be surprised if it starts to come even before the winter meetings. Like I said, two weeks from today they begin, but obviously we've seen some signings. We're going to talk about those coming up here in just a second um, and how they may impact what the Cubs do moving forward. Uh, I want to shout out to everybody in the live YouTube chat. Best way to enjoy the CHGO experience is to subscribe to the CHGO Sports YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the podcasts. You can watch them, and then, of course, you can jump in and get involved in the live YouTube chat. Like everybody right now, the Godfather's jumping in. I know he doesn't like Patrick Wisdom, but just remember, it's not a massive deal. It's a depth piece, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, let's see what else did we have? Uh, order of business. Oh, I I was curious what what you ended up doing this weekend. You know, because a lot of people like to take it easy mm -hmm. the weekend before you get started with Thanksgiving, or you know, obviously big party night is for the kids yeah, not for yeah. me but like the day before thanksgiving for some reason people like to go get liquored up and then feel nauseous and then eat turkey i don't understand never understood it but okay i just you know hung out had a a friendsgiving celebration yesterday so oh like, so you've like, already had turkey i've already had the turkey you know i my contribution is has become a tradition as a, a white castle crave case and oh really it's it it was a joke the first time i did it and people enjoyed it so i just for anything, I'll bring a crave case and and that's what is what is a White Castle crave case? It's like th it's just thirty of the White Castle sliders in a box. Wow! And yeah. not obviously not one person eats that. You no, spread no. it out on the table and no. people take yeah. one slider and move on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's that's interesting. So it like I said, it was it was a joke if <laughs> the first time I did it and people liked it, so I continued it. It's a tradition. Now. I can't not do it. The only person bringing White Castle to Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, <laughs> Friendsgiving. Uh, so stick around. We're going to talk uh, Nola, Lynn, Lopez, and most importantly, Yamamoto. Yeah. By the, first, way, by the way, I want to tell way, you. Real quick, uh, I yeah. found the, the updates that we did get um, okay. about a month ago. It was Cody Hoyer completed the initial healing and range of motion phase of his rehab was planning to initiate a throwing progression starting in mid-November, so right about right now, Okay, um, but still no specific timeline. And then with Hughes and Roberts, we're expected to have just normal off-season progressions uh, before spring training. So those two should have normal off-season. We'll see where Cody Hoyer's at, but again, could still all three remain in the Cubs organization just and not on the major league roster or not on the 40-man. Uh, nice. Okay. So we'll, like I said, I would love to see at least two of the three back in the organization, if not all three, but that might be uh wishful thinking Barb and uh, the Godfather, the Godfather and Godmother, like, like what you're doing with the whole oh, white yeah. castle thing. Uh, yeah. Godfather says you dip that slider in ketchup and Barb said she used to bring him to the movie theater. Now I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about sliding sliders into your pockets in the movie theater, but you do what you got to do. I don't know about that one. I tell you what you got to do. You got to get new flooring uh, for the, this holiday season. Maybe this is uh, what you, you're looking for some deals. Well, Empire Today, you get to shop with at-home convenience, the right products for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low price guarantee. Uh, they keep shopping for floors simple with a curated product selection. 
Their philosophy is to help you find what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. And what they leave out of their selection is just as important as what they put in. Empire's product team exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles for you. Now, they also, Ryan, have this, they got one of those virtual floor designer things. And so all you have to do is snap a picture and you can see how the vinyl flooring or hardwood floors or carpet may look in your exact space. So there's there's a lot less guessing, right? Because yeah. the last thing you want to do is buy a topi carpet. And the next thing you know, you get at your house, the light's coming in different. And you're like, ah, that doesn't look right in my space. So they take that away. And they pride themselves as a shop at home service. Uh, they service their own warranties. If there's an issue, very rare. But if it does happen... They service all warranties themselves. You don't have to track down a manufacturer's phone number and you don't have to deal with the big box stores either. You don't want, last thing you want is a guy who was in plumbing yesterday telling you what kind of carpet you should buy today. That's a disaster. Now at Empire, carpet's the only thing they do. Flooring's the only thing they do. Um, all they want to do is replace your flooring and they've got all the options. Schedule a free home in estimate today. Listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use the promo code CHGO. That's not even a Black Friday deal, folks. That's just the deal we're running all the time with Empire. $350 off discount when you use the promo code CHGO. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash CHGO for details. And one thing that happens after you show up with 20 sliders to somebody's house uh, and then you eat a lot of turkey and mashed potatoes and dressing mm -hmm. and maybe apple pie or pumpkin pie is, well, occasionally we pack on a few pounds at the holidays. Perfect time right now. Get ahead of it. Head over to Midtown Athletic Club. Yeah. They've got Absolutely. four Chicagoland locations, right? Palatine in the Northwest Burbs, Bannockburn in the North Shore, Willowbrook in the Southwest Suburbs, Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in Bucktown and Lincoln Park. Now, the Palatine one under this massive multi-million dollar renovation right now, but there's some deals to be had. You can get favorable rates right now if you sign up and join before the end of the year. This project's going to be done early 2024, so you can get in at the lower price and then take advantage of the massive transformation coming up. Ultra premium brand here. This is the nicest fitness club I've ever been to. They take luxury to a whole new level. They've got pools, hot tubs, saunas, uh, you name it, indoor, outdoor, high-intensity interval training, yoga, boxing, cycling, cross-training, uh, pretty much everything. Whether you're single, whether you're family with kids, uh, it is the ultimate place to go. And they have the best tennis courts and programming in the sport. Midtown has indoor and outdoor, pickleball, paddleball, you name it, UST a connected head over to midtown.com slash chgo to tour the midtown athletic club nearest you uh all right so let's get to it what what is the perfect pitching plan for your chicago cubs moving forward in the next two weeks two months whatever it might be this offseason right like mm -hmm. how do you how do you approach it well the big news today is that yamamoto most believe he is the biggest name for pitching out on the market. This is before we also have Nola signing over the weekend going back to the Phillies. So whether it was – I think Nola was the biggest name at the major league level already. If, yeah. if he wasn't, he was one, two, or three. Okay, he, he was top three. And Yamamoto, most people believe he might be bigger than anybody that was already here anyway. Certainly the biggest um, – they expect him to get the biggest deal of any free agent Japanese pitcher ever. So he's posted. Now teams have 45 days before the, the window closes. So they got to get their best offers to him. They got 45 days. I think January 4th is 45 days. But, man, the, if the Cubs could pull this off. Listen, with Nola going back to the Phillies, mm -hmm. I feel like this became an even well, it became even more important with Nola going that quickly off the table. It, Yamamoto's price tag probably has gone up even more and has become an even bigger target for more teams. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine that being the case. I mean, like, like I, I, it's kind of what we talk about with like other big free agents. Like when when one domino falls, 
like when that first big domino falls, I'm not saying Aaron Nola is the biggest one, but like when that first one falls, then you start seeing the rest start to come and you start seeing, I mean, teams might overpay, right? Teams might overpay right. because like you said, that it has become, you know, with a Yamamoto or, or like Blake Snell or something like now that one of those top or upper tier free agents are off the board, like other teams are might scramble, might, might feel like they really need to go get this guy and we'll even overpay for him. I don't know that that's something that Jed would do, right? I I don't know that's something that comes for an office is, is interested in overpaying um, for any of the starting pitchers on the market right now. But if they want one of these guys like that, that, that may end up being what they at least have to consider um, because I think you'll see other teams that do need that starting pitching to um, be willing to give a little bit more money to, to bring them in. So yeah, now that Nola's off the table, Yamamoto, Blake Snell, like all those guys – their markets probably get a little bit bigger just because other teams are now going to have to scramble with one of those other options off the board. Uh, Braves reportedly offered six years, 162 million from Scott Lauber uh, covers the Phillies. Dodgers offered 165 million and Phillies officials believe another team offered more than even they offered. Um, So be curious to know who that other team is that was offering the big money, but we do know that the Braves were hot on his trail trying to get Nola to jump over to them. And so maybe it was the Atlanta Braves. Now the Braves have been pretty active here this off season, but that just lets you know that they're still after a big name pitcher like that. So now when you're talking uh, Yamamoto, the, the group of teams with big money available, they're out there. Um, and so if he, if, if Nola went for, Seven one seventy two, basically a Dansby Swanson contract is what they just the Phillies gave Aaron Nola. A couple things jump out at me about that. Number one, where are the Phillies getting all of this money? How are they affording it? Think of all the guys they have that are on like hundred and fifty million or more or a hundred million or more deals. We talked about it last off season, and I was shocked when they were able to pull it off and add another player. And I was like, they've done it again. <laughs> I, where does the money come from and how are they making it work financially? I just can't, I know they've been to the world series two years in a row, but now, you know, they, they felt like they couldn't afford uh, to lose their frontline guy. One thing I'll say is I believe his ERA was 4.5. Not, that, not yeah. that I don't want Aaron Nola. Um, and I know ERA isn't the only statistic, and, and Brendan might tell you it's not even top two or three. I, I don't know. I still would think ERA is one that's pretty effective as opposed to wins because his win-loss record was not super you know, impressive last year either. Um, but he has a good he has good track record, and he was great in the postseason. Yes and yes. But if you're just looking at ERA, I mean, he would have – he would have fallen behind Steele. He would have been behind Stroman. He would have been behind Hendricks and slightly ahead of Jamison Tyone. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the Tyone deal on paper, even though it didn't work out last year, still has the potential to turn out to be a good deal. Is, is that seem like wishful thinking that that deal still could, while, while you're one, you're not going to give it a grade of A or B, still when it's all said and done could end up being that high of a grade. Well, I, I mean, I don't disagree in the fact that like you're, they, they're, they're giving Tyone a hundred million dollars less than what the Phillies are giving yeah. Nola. Um, and like Nola is going to have the expectations of like a, uh, probably a number one or at least a one, a one B on mm-hmm. the Phillies starting pitching uh, our starting rotation. Whereas Jameson Tyone, I, I mean, even coming into the season that like, he didn't have ace expectations, right? He had like maybe two, but probably more like three expectations. So what they're paying Tyone, if he can become a number three starter, like I don't think that's a bad deal in, in, in yeah, like relative to like where he's at in the Cubs rotation. So yeah, when you're talking about a guy only getting 68 million versus 172 million, um, he's only got three years left on the deal, right? With Tyone, like you're looking at it as, yeah, he could probably earn most of that contract back. Like he didn't have a great, 2023 right he didn't have a great first year that um of his contract just because of how kind of up and down he was he had some solid highs but a lot of lows and he ended the season pitching pretty well so we'll see how that goes but um i think you can say like he he didn't live up to the contract in the first year 
Right. But he he totally can, and he can he can the next three years if he can get to again those expectations that were kind of set on him after signing that deal. I think he can get to it where we're sitting here three years from now, and you look back and you're like, you know, that was a good deal actually. It wasn't a uh, uh, he didn't blow us away, and he didn't have like ace type numbers and a very undervalued deal, but it was a solid deal. He he pitched well for the Cubs for four years and. But, you know, whatever they do the next few years, hopefully he's like a part of that. Right? I think we can sit that sit here in a few years and look back on it and say that I think there's potential for that. Well, Yamamoto is supposed to be there. People are expecting it to be at least two hundred thousand. And with his posting fee, maybe two fifty um, at two hundred million. Yeah, two hundred million. Two hundred thousand would be. Oh, did I say two hundred thousand? Yeah, two hundred million, uh, two hundred fifty million potentially with with the signing fee listen if he's the best guy if he's better than nola if he's better than snell who's now won two cy youngs and he's only 25 years old and you can bring him in and he's better than what senga was last year right say like senga we weren't sure what to expect this guy's supposed to be definitely better than senga well senga was top five in era in the national league like Okay, add that guy to the roster, and then what you're saying is, okay, that's that that's a lot of money if you do it. I know they've also had had and already talked to uh, Imanaga, the other uh, Japanese pitcher, who mm-hmm. might be just as interesting to the Cubs. But I love the idea of a front line guy. The one thing about missing on Nola, if the Cubs were even interested, is that he had I mentioned the ERA, you know, would have been fourth on the team. However, he had more strikeouts than anybody. And, and we know that that's something we're looking for is the, is the swing and miss in this free agent move. But just because you sign somebody to a $200 million deal or, or whatever, whoever it might be for that amount, even if it's Snell or somebody, unless they get hurt, remember that the Cade Hortons of the world, if they're still around, and the Jordan Wicks of the world, as those players start to develop and, and lock in a spot in the major league level – that's when you can trade someone if you need to and move on. That's where you can eat up the um, unfortunate injury that happens to somebody. But just because somebody signed, unless you give somebody a no trade clause, like the Cubs have given Ian Happ and say a Suzuki, you still have control of that player as a, as a chess piece. Um, so I, I'm just not, I, I don't feel like the Cubs should be just, obsessed with money this offseason I, I get what Craig Council's saying and what the Cubs have often said don't spend recklessly but if Yamamoto is really this sort of generational pitcher to come out of Japan mm-hmm. I don't think 200 million is reckless spending now I, I was floored when I saw that Lance Lynn was getting one year 10 million with as much as 26 and escalators from the Cardinals I hope that works out the way I think it's going to work out with Wilson Contreras catching him, as Cody pointed out on Twitter. Um, I hope he goes back to St. Louis and he's the guy who gave up the most home runs last year. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping Otani hits like seven more home runs off the guy, but this time in a Cubs uniform and and he's in the Cardinals uniform. <laughs> Ronaldo um, Lopez, three for 30. Is this what's happening to the price of pitching? That's when I say like Tyone, okay, it didn't look great last year for for at least half of the season. Three for 30 for Reynaldo Lopez? What is going on? Like no wonder we're getting nervous about signing guys. Yeah, well, we saw it last offseason, right? Like uh, maybe not specifically the pitching market, but just some of the contracts that were getting given out, like the shortstop market. Like some of those shortstop contracts were – crazy right and that's um, the braves I, that's not a dumb organization giving him yeah. 30 million dollars yeah so i i think when you're looking at it is like like well ba- baseball salaries are just rising in general right that's just how the game is going is the salaries are going to go up every year but now i mean and i think it just depends on what is the like most like valuable or, or necessary or I'm trying to find the right word, but like whatever's the like the like the position of the offseason is we're gonna see. Like that's why we saw such crazy contracts for shortstop last year, because there was a great class of free agent shortstops that teams wanted. And not the, the top, I'm looking at it like the pitching market isn't so robust this offseason, but yeah. 
we know how valuable pitching is and, and teams are valuing are valuing pitching even more. And I just think that that raises the price. And like, like, yeah, when you, when you look at it in relative terms, like three for 30 for Ronaldo Lopez seems like a lot. Um, but you know, teams start the value of starting pitching or just pitching in general um, is going up. We know that because Jed Hoyer says it all the time. You can never have enough pitching. So I don't know what like the Braves saw that they thought that that was a guy that needed to go out and acquire and for a contract that we look at is as this is larger than we would have expected. Yeah. But I, I, I can see it from the relative terms of like pitching is just going to continue to be more and more valuable pitch clock wise, like all the rules they've implemented um, restricting the amount of pitchers you can have on the active roster, that kind of stuff, the option, um, the, the, the amount of days, guys that get option have to be in the minor leagues, all that's going to affect pitching. And I just think the value of that is just going to continue to go up. And I think that that's probably what you're seeing right there is just that value of just pitching in general kind of going up. Um, you know, I, I, if, if Yamamoto ends up going somewhere else, either because that's where he wants to go or because uh, the Cubs just aren't offering enough money and somebody's just getting too rich for their pockets. Um, John Owens in the live YouTube chat with an interesting poster. He says, Otani for the future, Sonny Gray for now, because Yamamoto might cost too much. That is the one interesting thing about Otani. We don't know what to expect out of him moving forward. Not, we know this 2024 season, he's not going to pitch again. Yeah, But is he a guy that you can at least bank 50-50 on potentially being a huge arm boost to your rotation in 2025 if you get him? Well, yeah. So, so what? What is what is the plan for this season? Well, we know we have Justin Steele, and you hope he comes back and pitches the same way again next year. But as Craig Council has pointed out, there are no guarantees that what happened this year will happen the next year. And then you have Hendricks. We know for next year, right? Mm-hmm. And we know we have Tyone unless he gets traded for next year. And Wicks will have a spot to play for. And a lot of people do think that Horton will get a shot in the rotation at some point in 2024. I just don't want to pencil the guy in. Even Wicks, I don't want to necessarily pencil them in as the automatic number five starter on this team. And so that's where I think the the sunny grays of the world or – I think they need frontline pitching, guaranteed frontline pitching. Uh-huh. And so I think Yamamoto is one of those guys available. Is it crazy to think that Dylan Cease would be available to the Cubs to come back? <laughs> like, it, I don't know what it would take, yeah. but would it ease the pain to at least get him back? I mean, at some point, but are, would you just be pushing the pain back a few more years, depending on who the guys you give up are? Potentially, <laughs> potentially, yes. But it uh, does seem like it does seem fairly likely to me that Dylan Cease would be traded by the White Sox. It seems that way to me. It seems like they're, but I also seem like because I don't know how many more years of control he has. Like two more years, I think. Um, so it's going to be on their terms, you know. And that's one of those things where it's like you're getting, well, especially when it's the White Sox. Like how much harder is that to deal with? For the Cubs yeah. on the other side, right? Uh, dealing with the team on the other side of town. So, um, I mean, it would be great. Like Dylan Cease is obviously a great pitcher. Was a Cy Young finalist a couple of years back. Like he'd be really good, I think, for this ball club, and it would, it would just bring everything full circle to get him back for sure. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. It would depend on what the Cubs, what the, what the White Sox want. If if they do have, yeah, Donnie has confirmed two more years of control. So yeah. Like that's that's not they're not um, rushing to get him traded this offseason. They're not probably not even rushing to get him traded at the trade deadline next year if they don't need to, right? Like I think right. the White Sox would either want to resign him or um want to get the package that they want for him for a guy that's a former Cy Young finalist. So yeah, I, I mean I don't know what they'd have to give up to get him, but it may be a little bit more than what other teams might considering. It's just the the team on the other side of town too. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see them add. Well, I would love to see Cease come back. I would love to see Yamamoto signed. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if 
if there's another uh, reclamation project, a, a Cody Bellinger type pitcher. Okay. And I think that's even more expensive sometimes with the pitching thing. But if you're looking for someone that's, they think they can get in the pitch lab and even, even with Tyone, they thought like they could figure something out. Right. Um, and then it's just, his fastball wasn't what he hoped it would be last year and couldn't figure it out. So who would be the flyer you take on pitcher? Now I, if somebody said to me like Giolito, okay, that's what Dom just said. That that's the name I was going to say, like somebody like Giolito who has shown that he can be very, very good, but he can also show you that he can be very, very bad. And I just yeah. saw the other name, vanilla chill, Jack Flaherty. Uh, good thing. Cody's not here. Cause flattery and Flaherty are two different players. Uh, yes. Yeah. If he could stay healthy, Flaherty is the type of guy I could see you, now, after he was traded, he was nothing special, and he has had a ton of injuries. But that's the type of guy I could see you giving maybe more money than you should. But if you take a flyer and he comes through, maybe it works out. I I, I don't know. I don't know which guy you would go, but that's the type of player I think they're going to have to find if they don't land Yamamoto. They're going to have to find several of those types of players and – yeah. That path doesn't thrill me as much as the Yamamoto path does. Yeah, and when, and I see Gary putting in Woodruff, who would be great, like for 2025, but he's not going to pitch in 2024. So it's like, yeah. And I thought I saw uh, John Morosi say that he believes the Brewers are going to sign him to a multi-year deal after the surgery. But yeah, I, I, I could be wrong about that. I didn't see that, but it's very possible, right? Yeah. He was in the organization, and like, I, like the the non-tendering was just a procedural move considering how much he was going to make this year um and you know through arbitration but um like it was just a procedural move kind of for the brewers who have already said they want to bring him back i hear they would love to have him in the organization so yeah i don't know how realistic woodruff is and obviously he's not pitching next year so he doesn't affect the 2024 pitching plans yeah i don't know i don't know if i don't know well, there's definitely not like a a reclamation number one or number two on the you know uh, on the free agent market, right? Like the, the guys you're talking about, like a, a the pit the pitching version of Cody Bellinger yeah. last year. I don't see that on the free agent market right now. There, there are. I mean, like you said, like Lucas Giolito could be someone that get him in the pitch lab. Could you figure out what or could you get him back to what was it 2021? Like Lucas Giolito, one of the best pitchers in right. baseball. Kind best of thing, pitcher right? in baseball. Worst pitcher in baseball. Best pitcher in baseball. Yeah. Like, is he someone that would have, depending on how much it would cost the Cubs, right? Like, he, he's he's someone that when we sat here at the, at the, the uh, when, when he got waived last year mm-hmm. by the, by the White Sox, he's someone we sat here and said we wouldn't mind the Cubs picking him up and seeing what they could do with him as they're making this playoff push, right? Because he has been a very good player pitcher in the past but he's also been a very bad pitcher in the past so he would be the guy if you're talking about like a guy to bring in that won't cost a ton of money that you could try to get like as a reclamation project type starting pitcher i think i would say lucas giolito would be Hmm. near the top of the list for me like of course not i I haven't studied the entire uh free agent market um but i do think you know he's a guy that the White Sox obviously were able to figure something out with him going from again, worst pitcher in baseball to best pitcher in baseball. Can you get him in the pitch lab and replicate something like that with the, somebody's going to think so. Yeah. Right. So I, yeah, if that's like what they do, I wouldn't be like, I I think that'd be a, a good deal depending on how much they're paying him. Don't overpay for him. But like, if you could figure out how to get him closer to that 2021 version of him, then you're feeling really good about your rotation next year. Yeah, I, the only thing that scares me about it is that when you see Ronaldo Lopez get three for 30, I'm not sure what that discount, you know, I'm envisioning a discount deal. I'm not sure his agent is envisioning a discount deal because, like you said, there's going to be a lot of teams that are thinking the same thing. Well, we could add this guy in a flyer and see what he comes at, but let's see what happens. Now, Edward, I don't. I don't like to knock takes in the live YouTube chat, but this is one of the worst I've ever seen. Ooh, don't cough in your hands. You just spread your germs in everything you touched. First of all, Edward, I coughed in my hands to block (laughs) it from the microphone. Second of all, the only thing I'm touching is this keyboard, which I can wash after the show or 
and I, as, as I can also wash my hands, would you prefer me to just cough it all over the room so everybody hears it in the, on the show and then it's all over the, everything on the table? What, didn't, weren't you raised as a child? You cough in your, or sneeze, whatever, in your arm or in you your do, hands. You got to do the Dracula sneeze. Either way, right? Yeah. But if you, if you cough in your hands and you go wash your hands, then you haven't spread it into everything you ever touch. Now, if I were a kind of you know sick person that never washed their hands – that would be a problem. Bad take. Bad take. Bad take. That got you riled up. That got, got you me riled all riled up. up. Coughing to your elbow. Well, then now my shirt's carrying all the germs, and I carry my baby in that arm right there, and I don't have time to wash that. But my hands, I can wash. Yeah. Uh, so real, I just wanted to like, we have obviously some knowledge of the posting system with Seiya Suzuki, but for the people that are curious about the posting thing with. Yamamoto, if that's what be, I would like to hear this because I actually am always confused by it. Yeah. So this is according to MOB.com's Mark Feinstein. Um, beginning tomorrow, so Tuesday at 7 a.m. is when they can start negotiation. Teams right. will start negotiating with him. That ends um, at 4 p.m. Central on January 4th, so 45 days. Um, and then for the posting system, um, as far as like what say the Kells were to sign Yamamoto. Um, if what they would have to pay back to Yamamoto's NPB ball club um, right here, which there's, there's different levels for like less than 25 million total guaranteed between 25 and 50. But I think we can safely assume that he's going to be over 50 million total guaranteed. Right. Um, so for major league contracts for the total guarantee of, of 50, 50 million and $1 or more, the release fee will be 20% of the first 25 million plus 17 and a half percent of the next 25 million plus 15% of the total guaranteed value exceeding 50. So like say Yamamoto signs for $200 million, mm -hmm. the Cubs the posting fee would be another, if my math is correct, 31.8 million, 31.9 million, something like that to, to pay over for that, which you know, I don't remember exactly what say is, posting fee was was something like 14 million dollars so like 31 is obviously a, more than double that um but that's yeah they were gonna go out and sign who people are calling like the best right starting ever. to come out of japan whether ever or at least since masahiro tanaka like 10 years ago or so okay and people saying that like for a 25 25 year old ace japanese player that you know especially now when you can the, I think the scouting on Japanese players is at a level it's never been at before. You know, talking to Jed and talking about learning, it'd be like Jed going out to Japan, right, and talking to people and, and watching guys himself or just the scouts that the Cubs would have sent out there. Like, I think the information that they can get, the data, just the regular, like the in-person scouting um, feels like it's at a level that it, than it was even 10 years ago. So, like, they have a lot of information on this 25-year-old ace and – you can't guarantee that what he does is going to translate over like a hundred percent. Like you can't you, just like, you couldn't guarantee that say was going to come over and be, be say Suzuki from NPB right away. You can't guarantee that with Yamamoto, but if you have the information and the, if you have all the information that you need and you feel very strongly about it, it's probably, it's probably going to be a contract bigger than 200 million. So this number would go up. Um, but if you feel confident in that, you're going to pay that because he's a 25 year old potential frontline ace for the next three quarters of a decade plus, right? It could be, a, it could be 10 years, nine, 10 years on the contract. So to have that, if you feel confident enough about it, you're because you're going to be more than willing to pay that posting fee for it. As long as he doesn't go to the Cardinals, please <laughs> for the love of all. Um, I had a friend ask me, Hey, why don't they, how did he phrase it? He said, would signing Yamamoto help them lure in, in some way, Shohei Otani? And I was like, well, or the flip side, would it eliminate them from being able to sign Shohei Otani? Because the price number, if you're looking at the two, now you're thinking, okay, that, that's got to be up around at least $700 million, right? Just for two players. Um, and Here's, here's the way I think it will play out. I think the, that the Otani will come off the board before Yamamoto comes off the board. So the Cubs, if they wanted to, could make Yamamoto their $250 million offer, if that's something they wanted to do, right? 
a lot of teams can make that offer. Then they could take that 250 and say, but it's also allotted for Shohei Otani, half of Shohei Otani. So if we get Otani, we're, we're not going after Yamamoto, and mm-hmm. he would know that. Like if we either you take the 250 now or the lower number now, or we're just going to give it to Otani if, if he accepts it. My guess is most teams that if they're interested in both players will wait to see if Otani is available, is coming to them first before they sign. And and again, you might lose out on Yamamoto. So that's that's the risk. Do you want to offer Yamamoto enough money that he says, I'll take it, even though if I waited a little bit longer, I might end, might end up with more. I don't yeah. think the Cubs are getting both guys. I it hope would, they're getting one of them. It would be... A pretty incredible offseason for them if they did got both of those guys. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, it would be, I'm, I'd be floored if they signed I, both guys. I'm leaning more unlikely that they get both of them, uh, but it would be a very good offseason for the Cubs if they did. Um, as far as like timing wise, I think I mean, what we're hearing is Otani could sign in the next couple of weeks if he wants to do it before the winter meetings, right? Like, correct. That's one of the rumors is that he wants to get it done before or before at the winter meetings. That's in the next couple of weeks. So that could be. Very quickly, and considering Yamamoto was only teams can only start talking to him tomorrow, right? That's that still allows what thirty days, something like that, for teams to talk to Yamamoto while if Otani's already signed by then. Like that's, I, it, I'm with you. I think the talking and trying to get Otani is like would be the priority right now, and Yamamoto for most teams, and Yamamoto would be not the like the consolation prize, but like like because of the timing, he would be. I think. Teams that want both, like maybe the Cubs do, would be really hard on Otani right now. While like Yamamoto would come, like their their hard recruiting of Yamamoto would come after Otani signs, whether it's with them or with the Dodgers. And that's that's my gut feeling is that like right now Otani would be the priority just based on timing. Yeah, and people in the chat are mentioning Imanaga, another pitcher, uh, I believe he's the left-hander from Japan. Listen, there's. There's there's a million ways it could go this offseason. I believe that the Cubs' number one priority is Otani. If the, if you can get and it should be for any team that could afford that type of paycheck. If you can get Otani, he's the once in a lifetime player that's out. Injury or not, he's the once in a lifetime player that could impact your team potentially in two incredible ways within two seasons. Yeah. Um he gives you the bat you're looking for. He could give you your frontline starter you're looking for. Um, that that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be interested in Yamamoto, pursuing Yamamoto, Imanaga, um, Snell, whoever those other players might be. But I think Otani, if you're going to spend that type of money, Ota- most people are saying Otani's the once in a lifetime. Like we we see what he's done at the major league level. There's no guessing of what he can do. We've already seen what he can do. Um, so now maybe it's maybe it's possible to pull off Imanaga and Shohei Otani. Does does sign one way or the other? Does signing Otani or Imanaga either way? impact the other guy and say, well, wow, wow, now I can, now I can really feel comfortable. My countrymen and friends, Suzuki and Otani are already on the team. I might take less to go there because the transition to, we saw that it's not an easy transition for everybody. We saw what say it went through for a year. Yeah. So this makes it a little bit easier. Could could that be a, a, a drawing factor for somebody? Well, I hope so. Yeah, we'll see. It could be. It could not be. Right? It could it could like we don't know what money is uh, the biggest factor. Yeah, <laughs> we, we just don't know what yeah. guys, like guys coming over are thinking too. So like, um, you know, do they want to have their own spotlight or do they want to have a team with a, you know, a, a with other players that they may have played with in Japan? Right? I don't know how the how players from NPB think. So yeah, yeah, Don, yeah I don't Don, know, but but we'll see. It's going to be obviously interesting now that Yamamoto's if he's the level that we've heard him, Masahiro Tanaka type level, like that's going to be another very interesting free agency um, when the rumors start coming out. Who's meeting with him? What are the prices looking like? I'm I'm very interested to see that because, um, yeah, if he's if he's as good as like or if he's if his market is going to be as advertised, like it's going to be very interesting to follow this offseason. 
uh, hey, one thing they're not going to get is a Black Friday savings deal on any of these players because they're all going to be expensive. And where are you going to get it? Well, I'll tell you where you get your Black Friday savings. Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake as one of the top-selling Chevy dealers in the Midwest. You're always able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest Chevy inventories. And all month long, you can continue to save big at Ray Chevy during their Black Friday sales event where you can choose from over 100 Silverados in stock. It's the perfect tailgate vehicle. But that's not all. Get 0% financing with $0 down and zero payments until 2024. Think about that. Zero percent financing. Are you kidding me? People are paying eight and a half percent on their homes right now. And I know everybody loves the word free. And that's what you're going to get this month at Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake. A free oil change. All you need to do is mention CHGO when scheduling your oil change. And it's a Black Friday offer you don't want to miss. But you have to schedule it by November 30th. Running out of time. Buy with confidence and the Ray price promise. It's a guarantee that the price you see online is the price you pay when you go into the dealership. Many cases, other dealers, a little sketchy, try to raise the price on you when you come into the dealership, saying things like, well, are you a college grad? Are you an active uh, military member? Are you a farmer? Most cases, the answer is no for us. And that's when the other dealers try to raise the price on you, saying the price online included limited rebates that you don't qualify for. Well, at Ray, that's not the case. The price you see online is the price you pay with no add-ons or hidden fees ever. In fact, Ray's going to do everything possible to find additional savings for you, which might make the price lower than what you even see online. Visit Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or RayChevrolet.com to get your Black Friday savings. They've been serving the community since 1963. Find new roads. Nothing says happy holidays better than a big old red ribbon on a new car. Or... You know what else says happy holidays? Hmm. The Circus Sportsbook. Hello. You know that. Um, yep. Circus Sportsbook, great, great app that you, you should download right now. Um, Circus Sportsbook holds tight money line splits. Gays will strive to be a minus 110 split on the Circus Sportsbook menu, unlike other sportsbooks, which may use uh, minus 115 or minus 120. Circus Sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets, especially compared to the other books. Um, Circus Sports does not limit players based on their winnings. Every player has the same limit, unlike other books who do who do limit winning players. Um, they encourage bettors to download and explore all sports betting apps available and compare the lines from each sports book. And let me tell you this one, Luke. Circus, Circus customer service, incredible, unbeatable. Yeah. There are real people behind the Circus Sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion, unlike other books who use chatbots. All, aspe all aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circus Sportsbook at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. So download the Circus Sports Illinois app at circusportscom slash Illinois-app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. If you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, text GAMB to 833234, or visit areyoureallywinning.com. Very nice. Best way to uh, be ready for Black Friday savings is has have a pocket full of cash from your winnings at Circus Sportsbook Absolutely. Uh, this upcoming weekend. Um, oh, we don't have a ton else, but I do. I do want to bring up. I saw our friend John Greenberg uh, post that the Cubs are today unveiling a new website and program where um, you can purchase season tickets. Right, and there's like full season tickets. There's half season tickets, and then there's 20 game packages yeah. that now count as season ticket packages. Now, that's not available to every seat in the ballpark. They have limited spots where those 20 game packages are available. Mm -hmm. But if you're willing to get your season quote unquote tickets in those 20 game packages, uh, you would still qualify for the bet some of the benefits for season ticket holders, for instance postseason tickets so uh are you buying or selling people in the chat the idea of a 20 20 game package for season tickets and i'm curious to find out when Corey friedman joins us next time what he thinks about the fact of somebody who's buying a 20 game ticket plan having access to those postseason tickets as opposed to somebody like himself who's spending the big bucks yeah on the full season ticket plan. Sure. Now there are some other benefits to being the full season guy, but 
most people go in on the season tickets to try and get the playoff tickets. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Corey is furious about that. My guess is yes. <laughs> What's funny to me is that like you can like go online, you can buy the season ticket packages. When it's like, I don't know, you go back how many years ago, and people were like spending years, years on the waiting list yes. for season tickets. Like I think my parents spent now 20 years on the wait list before they finally got that email and then now now tickets are so expensive that they right can't. yeah waited long like, enough you can't do it anyway yeah it's, like, it's so funny that um like just 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 you know yeah not that long ago you had to sit on a wait list forever just to even get the chance at buying the season tickets and now you could go on and get 20 game packages and be considered a season ticket holder it's kind of funny to me just how Things have changed, but I also think part of that is like, you know, again, the prices at Wrigley have gone up in the last decade or so, right? Maybe a little less than that. Like the prices have gone up and it's not as affordable to to go to half the Cubs games or full slate of Cubs games uh, every season. So um, I don't know, that part, that part just kind of made me laugh. Just the fact, just, just how much things have changed as far as the season tickets go. Have, are, are you old enough? I, I probably know the answer to this. I know Barb would know and the Godfather would know. Have you ever seen an episode of Bozo Buckets on WGN? Is that what, like Bozo the Clown? Bozo the Clown, and he would play Bozo Buckets. I, You've, I you know what I'm talking about at least? I know who Bozo the Clown is. Okay, Bozo the Clown would come on and he would have like, uh, I think it's five buckets, so like five trash cans each lined up further away and you had to throw the ball into the bucket. And if you got that, you got the prize. And then if you went to the second one, you got the prize there. And the third one, the prize and the grand prize would be, if you got the six buckets, Barb says. So this was so freaking popular back in the golden age before the internet even existed back in, you know, when I was a little kid, I can remember that when I was born, my, by the time I got to like five or six, my mom was like, we signed you up. You're in the drawing for Bozo Buckets. They call you when your name has been picked. So at birth, my name was in this Bozo Buckets drawing with my sister. You know when they got pulled? By the time I was in ninth grade. <laughs> so I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to be the freshman in high school that showed up on Bozo Buckets. I probably should have, but sure. I but I didn't. And so my mom gave the tickets to some you know, younger cousins, and sure enough, they got pulled out of the crowd and got to be on Bozo Buckets. That's how I feel about the Cubs season ticket thing. It's like you're on this thing. There's this glimmer of hope for most of us that aren't, you know, the one percenters in the world thinking about season tickets. And then it finally comes along and like your parents, you're like, well, I didn't win the lottery in the last 30 years, so I can't afford those season tickets. So what you're saying is that people should go and buy the season tickets. Just well, it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like the 20 game package is the worst thing. I don't know if I've ever wanted season ticket season tickets in the first place. That's too many games for me to go to. No, no offense to anybody that wants to. I just don't have the time for it. Yeah. And then it becomes, okay, how do I unload all of these season tickets or who I share them with, right? Yeah. Do you remember back at Wrigley when they used to, used to go and get the wristband for the tickets? Yeah. And, like, it would go, whoever the number was, it would go, like, like yeah. order back around from there. That was, a, that was a while ago, but I remember that, like, when I was a kid, like, literally going in the wristbands. How things have changed with the internet, it's, just, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, uh, Godfather serves a 19-year waiting list for those bozo, and that was just to be invited to be in the audience. <laughs> that didn't guarantee you a spot in bozo buckets. That guaranteed you to be in the audience of whatever, 30 people or whatever they had watching the show, and then you might get your name pulled out of that to do bozo buckets. And if my cousin didn't get to play bozo buckets under my name. Yeah, sounds like, you, sounds like you should have uh, gone to bozo buckets. I probably should have. I should have been the first ever 18-year-old to compete in Bozo Bucket. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just re- I, At that point, I probably could have reached over and dropped the ball in the bucket. <laughs> I don't even remember what they got. Anyways, uh, I tell you what, I didn't win Bozo Buckets, but I still have access to the CHGO Die Hard program, and so do you. Black Friday deal coming up. By the way, you get Ryan's premium written content for members at allchgo.com. That's great. You get 20% off all our events. That's great. You get a free shirt when you become a member. That's great. The Discord's there. Shirts, though. Here it is. The Black Friday sale coming this Friday. Get ready. Lots of Black Friday deals out there. This one's top of the list. 90% off up to some shirts. Team gear, at least 20% off. CHGO gear, 33% off. Hats and hoodies, 
$10 off. If you spend $75 or more, you get a $15 gift card and more. Now, some restrictions may apply, but I'm just letting you know, if you want to start your holiday shopping and you're thinking, what can I get my, listen, the CHGO, as we know, the CHGO Cub shirts, sick drip. Sick drip. You get a friend in your family or a family member or a buddy or, or, you know, whatever. You maybe, maybe the girlfriend thinks she's getting an engagement ring or you drop seven CHGO Cub shirts at, at her feet and see how excited she is. Right. And the diehard card, the diehard card is the gift that keeps on giving the whole year round. Absolutely. I got it somewhere. I don't have it on me right now, but it's, it's in a safe place. I actually put it in my safe because I just, no one else can get their hands on my diehard card. I Stop. predicted this though. I I told you guys this was coming. Everybody was jumping to get the meatball shirts and all the new shirts. I said, guys, this is a veteran move would be to wait one more week because the Black Friday deal is coming. And that is their always our biggest sale of the year. Oh, biggest yeah. sale of the year. Oh, yeah. And well, look at Ryan's hat right there. That's the winner hat. I had it on yesterday at the park. It was a nice day. Um so tomorrow, Cody returns from Japan. We'll get all the details from his trip, find out how it went, how he got Yamamoto posted, what his de- what his conversations were with – I can't say that, but let, we'll find out what his conversations were. Um, and we're going to talk – oh, we might do a – I haven't planned it yet, but I think we might have a little Thanksgiving twist on tomorrow's show. And then on Wednesday, special guest, couple special guests, an in-studio guest and a call-in guest. Oh, yeah. Coming up Wednesday. That's how you tease it. That's how you – I don't want to say who they are. I'm just going to tell you a special guest, one in studio, one on the phone. Oh, yeah. And it, I will admit it's not Shohei Otani, but it could be. Maybe one. Uh, could be. All right. Anything else, Ryan? Anything else you want to say before we go? No, we're good. We're good. Let's let's keep the week rolling. This is going to be a – Wednesday will be a fun show. for the, the, I, Gary's already trying to give it away in the live chat, at least one of the members, but he doesn't know both. He doesn't know both. And by the way, two weeks away from uh, us going to the baseball winter meetings. That that will be going to be a big deal. Time. Will, will Shohei Otani be signed before? We I go? don't know. And will I have my diehard card by then? I don't know. Uh, live at one twenty tomorrow, Barb. Don't miss it. Back right here, CHS Sports uh, YouTube page. And thank you for checking out the CHO Cubs podcast today we appreciate it back at 120 tomorrow thanks to everybody who watched and listened and downloaded until then thanks again and hit the like button on the way out fly the w